Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Truth Uncut, a show where we tell the truth in uncut fashion, meaning that it's not diluted or mixed in with any other substance. I'm your host, Ryan, and with me, as always, is Kevin. And on this week's episode, we finish talking about the wilderness and how God has helped us navigate through it. Cue the intro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, usually, people are like, I don't know why he did that. He, by the way, yeah, he's like, why, why did he make that hand sign at the camera? Because I, I uh, tore the tendon in my thumb um, operating a piece of equipment. I, I was operating it according to the way it was designed, but I knew better than to do it in the situation it was in. Um, so that being said, a perfect example uh, when you don't operate the equipment according to its design factor most of the time somebody gets hurt and it's the same thing in our spiritual life if we don't navigate these wilderness seasons according to the designer right who is god himself if we're not running to his handbook the manual the bible then we will ultimately get hurt in these seasons and a lot of times it will cause us to wander around in circles and not actually get to the destination a lot of people in in israel uh, in this time of wandering didn't enter into the promised land and the Bible says why didn't they enter in because of unbelief many of them died in the wilderness and so there's this other factor that that things can perish and die in our life in the wilderness if we're not mixing in this season with the, with our faith that there's an intention behind it Yeah, I wrote down one of the notes before something that I had to learn. Uh, you know, was, I think it's in Proverbs, and it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm. And then I thought of Colossians 3, 2, where, you know, it talks about keeping your eyes on Jesus and the things above. You know, because, uh, you know, I was alluding to that before, is I had so many negative things from happen to me that I just expected the next worst thing. I was like, and okay, God, what's scenario. next? Right. I'm like, okay, God, what's next? Like uh, how many right. more punches do I have to take? You know, but I always had this thing within me that knew just because of, you know, we talked about this last week is remembering because I was like, Lord, I know who you are. I know you've done in my life. I know your character. I know your mercy. I know your grace. I know your promises. And so I never lost that hope in entirety, but I definitely wanted to die. I did. I was like Job at one point. I was like, Lord, just curse the day I was born. Can you just come and take me to heaven? I just want to be out of here because wow. I can't yeah. handle it. Right. And you know, what's crazy is I think when I got to that point, that's when things started to change mm. because I, it was really in a nutshell. If I summarize what I just said, I was like, Lord, I can't do this without you and I need you. Right. And I'm just going to surrender. Right. Because I can't control it. The only thing that I can control is my emotions. And that's what I had to learn. And when you talk about the character, I had to learn to control my emotions and not allow my emotions to control me. That was a hard lesson for me. I'm still learning that today. Yeah. And, and I think that's true for all of us, man. We kind of, we get to a place where, um, the emotions are raw, bro. 
they've just been rubbed so raw with everything that's gone on. Um, and if, if we're not careful, emotions can rule us. I mean, I see it all the time in the church. I've seen it in my life. I, you know, I can't just point fingers at the body of Christ because I'm part of the body of Christ and I, and I have allowed emotions to dictate my life as well. Um, but I, so the purpose behind the wilderness season is so that we would know what's in our hearts, right? And this is so cool to me, right? I, I look at I look at the wilderness season as like a diagnostic tool for God. It's like he's diagnosing the issues. And and just like the human body, right? When your body's sick, what does it do? It pushes symptoms out to let you know that you're sick. Right? It pushes symptoms out. Whatever those symptoms may be. That tells you that there's something wrong inside your body. The, the, the symptoms aren't the sickness themselves. They're symptomatic of what's actually happening. And if you look at those symptoms, you can, you can normally diagnose what the sickness is. It's the same thing with these wilderness seasons. I believe personally that God allows wilderness seasons in our life because he's bringing things to the surface so that we can see them. Right. Things that have been there the whole time, but with the right amount of pressure applied in the right places, they come to the surface. Right. Like we're humming along. Everything's good. And take away that thing we trusted in, whether it be finances or family or whatever it is. If you remove the thing that the person trusts in, those symptoms now come to the surface, the anger, the fear, you know, the lack of faith, all, all of the character flaws and defects ultimately come to the surface, just like we saw with the children of Israel. All the stuff that was already present in their life came to the surface as they entered into the wilderness and things got difficult. Like I said, right amount of pressure applied in the right places will bring these things to the surface. And the purpose behind bringing the things to the surface is to deal with the root cause, not with the symptoms themselves, but with the root cause. And the root cause for a lot of things is A, we've had our trust in the wrong place. Right. We, we've set our hope and our trust on the wrong things, whether it be finances, having a good job, having a, a beautiful wife or a husband, um, having a good family, the house, the cars, the American dream, whatever, whatever it is. We've set our trust on those things. And as long as they're present, we're good. But we still have the issues going on inside of us in relationship to how we look at God. And so when the wilderness season happens, all that stuff comes to the surface and we're shocked like, whoa, where'd all that come from? It's been there the whole time, bud. <laughs> it's been there the whole time. It just took, it took the right season, the right amount of pressure applied in the right place for you to actually be able to recognize the things that God's trying to address in your life. And that's so valuable. Like, would you, would you go back, Kevin, four years ago, would you go back and if you could not go through this season? That's so, so my flesh is like, <laughs> yeah, like I, I would, but I needed it. I'm, I'm right. grateful for what I'm have been through and where I'm at. One of the greatest, I think I said this last week, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was when I crashed on my motorcycle and I had my bone pop out and life flighted mm -hmm. and, got addicted mm -hmm. to drugs and um it's the greatest thing i don't ever uh, happened to me yeah 
Really is. I got a five thousand dollar helicopter ride for free. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right, I had one no, I'm not too. kidding. But, uh, but yeah, you. I think that that's the character development, right. though, because now if I if I were to walk through another wilderness season in my life, I think that though I'll probably grumble, I'll have a different perspective because now I have even more to remember. Right. Meaning, remember of what God has done and where God is projecting me. And most of the stuff that has happened to me, I ask God in my prayers, Lord, use me. Lord, I want to be like you. Lord, I want to learn how to long suffer. Lord, I want to have patience. And then we complain about it, just like the Egyptians. They're like, Lord, we want to be free from bondage. And then they're like, Lord, send me back to the bondage. And it's the same same stupid story. It's our human nature. It's like we just want to go back to that. But no, I wouldn't go back and change any of it. Yeah, n- neither would Truthfully. I. Truthfully. You said something really interesting right now. Um, the prayers that you prayed, Lord, I want to be like you. Um, I want you to use me. And when you look through the scriptures, every single person that God used, he allowed them to be crushed. Right? Look at David. David's a, a, I love using David's story because David was a murderer and an adulterer. Right? So um, I identify with that, although I've never killed anybody. Um I've definitely been the drug addict adulterer and I've, I've definitely destroyed a lot of things in my life. Um, so I, I love, I love reflecting on the story of David because of that, because I identify so much with it, but God crushed David, right? So David at 16 years old, he receives this call to be the King of Israel, right? 16 years old, just a little shepherd boy out feeding his father's sheep. He was an afterthought in his family. Nobody, you know, when, when uh, Samuel came to anoint him as king, nobody thought to go and get David to put, put him in front. They just brought the other six boys who were, you know, tall, handsome, burly dudes that by the appearance of things should have been king. Uh, Samuel says, but God doesn't look as men look. He looks on the heart and says, don't you have any other boys? And he goes and gets David and then boom, they anoint David as king. And you would think, oh, boom, he's anointed as king. He's going to ascend the throne and he's going to rule Israel. That's not what happened with David. David went through this series of things, you know, dealing with, with Saul, dealing with his armor, like I was saying earlier, um, dealing with attack, uh, defeating Goliath. And, and he went from glory to glory. And what's interesting is that he ended up running for his life for 20 years, like without a place to lay his head down, right? Um, going from place to place as, as, uh, somebody that's running for his life. And it's interesting to me that on the backside of that in a cave called the cave of Adullam, David receives his kingdom and all the people that came to him in these caves, there's 400 of them. Um, they said they were destitute and they were downtrodden, right? And they all came to David in this cave. And this is where the rulership and the kingdom of David actually began. And those 400 people actually be, ended up becoming his mighty men and women of valor and did tremendous conquests alongside David. But my point is before he got to that place where he ruled in Israel for 33 years, he went through a crushing. He went through a wilderness season, right? Jesus himself went through a wilderness season. Like I said earlier in Matthew four and Luke four, he went through 40 days of fasting and it said he was hungry and angels ministered to him. Um, dealing with all of the different things that he dealt with before 
he stepped into his ministry. He went through a wilderness season. So I would say that even if we wanted to go back and escape these wilderness seasons, there's so much purpose attached to them because these are the journeys through which we will arrive at the destination and the calling that God has for us. And I would say that if we try to circumnavigate the wilderness seasons, we will also delay that place of the calling of God over our life. Yeah, it's, I would even... Go ahead. Go ahead and finish and then I'll say it. It's, I was just going to say it's that important. The wilderness seasons, are, they have that much impact. They're that important in our life. Yeah, I would, if I had to guess, I think I have delayed some of those things. Interesting. To I an extent. Have to. I but have this to. is, but I do want to say that I did it in four years and not forty. So. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, dude! Four years to get to where you are. Um, you know, it's, but it, it was a hellish four years. Yeah. Shoot, man, it's maybe even been longer. It's really been probably five. Right. Just it was um, different things. Uh, women, you know, the relationship thing, then the financial thing. Uh, just, yep. just everything. For me, a lot of it was exterior stuff. Because, you know, what's crazy, bro, is I, I came from sleeping in the back of my car. And God did everything and took me from, you know, I wasn't making millions, like I said last week, but I went from homeless with no college degree to making like 107,000 a year. Right. And then when I, even when I, God started giving me the finances just to provide for me, bro, I even had a hard time tithing. Mm. Yeah, I knew that he had provided for me. And there were times where I was like, Lord, I only got like 400 bucks. I don't even have the money for my rent. How am I going to tithe? And yet, like, how stupid are, is that? <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. Just trying to be real. You know, I think sometimes people, we look at leaders in the church or, um, you know, and forget that people are human. You know, I think something that you mentioned before that we were going to talk about briefly, I want to bring up is like being vulnerable in this season. So what did you mean by that? Being vulnerable in this season? Well, yeah, like when you're in a place of the, not necessarily just the yeah. wilderness, but even going through well, like a tough time because I know that, what you mean. yeah. So it, it, it annoys me, bro. Like I'm going to, I'm just going to call it out. Like we've got to stop in the church. We've got to stop acting like everything is okay all the time, right? Like you talk to brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, they come walking in the church and, and you know their life is a complete jacked up mess. And you're like, hey, how you doing? And they're like, oh, you know, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. Or some cliche Christianese statement that doesn't uh, allow anybody access spiritually to their life. Right? And, and you said something earlier that I think goes hand in hand with this and why I get so annoyed. Our freedom oftentimes is found in community. Because somebody in our, our community around us, followers of Christ, have walked through a similar situation. They've navigated that. Like you've been through these last four years. Now you're uniquely positioned to help someone else navigate the next four years of their life. 
if they're going to a similar situation. But if they never open the door spiritually to you, i.e. you come up to them and say, man, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? And they're like, oh, everything's good. I don't really need prayer for anything. Knowing that they probably have like $9 in their bank account and they don't know how they're going to pay their rent. And they wait until a catastrophic event hits their life before they come and request prayer. And it's so backwards to me. And, and um, it drives me crazy because for me, it's like we have to put on this air that because we're Christians, we got to have everything together. And it's partially the church's fault. Like we've just communicated that across pulpits and everything else with a lack of vulnerability and transparency, even from leadership. Like if you have, if you've got a pastor and I'm not calling out any particular church or pastor, I'm just saying in general, if you have a pastor that's not vulnerable, that doesn't share their own drama and weaknesses and, and request prayer and stuff like that, you create that culture in your church. You now have created a culture where now everybody thinks that, oh, well, pastor so-and-so's got it all together. They're, you know, they never sin or whatever the case may be. And so now they automatically have this mindset that when they're in a wilderness season or when they're going through something, they can't let anybody know that. And I believe it's one of the greatest deceptions of the enemy that you've got to have your whole life put together at all times as a Christian. Sorry, I went on a rant. No, 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 no. You're. <laughs> when I was in rehab, they did this lesson, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it as well, but they talked about what the root of everything was, right? And what was interesting is when they did this exercise, everything came back to fear. False right? And I'll get. Very real. And I'll give you an example, right? So from the first surface, we would say, well, that's pride, right? Like the, especially men, but I would say it's probably on both sides, obviously. But why would somebody not be vulnerable, right? We would say, oh, well, they're prideful because they don't want to let anybody know that they're not perfect, right? But really, what does that come down to is fear, the fear of man. Hey, friends, if you're getting value from this show, do us a favor Wherever you're listening to this podcast on, leave us a review, download it, share it with some friends, help us get this show out to as many people as possible. That's the best way that you can support the Truth Uncut podcast. And we want you to know that we're so grateful for each one of you. Let's dive back into the content. Right. Let's think about anxiety. So if you're anxious, why are you having anxiety? Because you're afraid of something. Right. That's what causes the anxiety. So like they did this thing, this education, and it was like everything just came back to fear. And I thought it was so crazy. I yeah. was like, I never really thought about that. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you'd think of something else and like how no, the, I, the I ultimate think accurate. I, I do think that it's accurate. I, I think that, you know, we just have this this thought. And again, it comes back to the culture that we've created in the church. Um, we have this thought that if we allow our flaws and our faults and our failures and the fact that we're not all put together, which is the truth, like none of us are all put together. We don't have a corner on the market of the truth. Um, only the scriptures are, are 100% always right. We, we 100% aren't always right. My point is, is that we have this perception in the church um, that the person that doesn't have it all together is less than. Right. And so the mm. fear is that if I let you into my drama or if I let you into the crap that's going on in my life, then you're going to know that I'm not perfect. Right. 
and that's somehow a bad thing when the scriptures are very clear that none of us are perfect right none of us are perfect we all even still 15 years later after walking with the lord i still have things that god is dealing with me on um and that's okay and 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 the 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 more i let people into my life the more i give people spiritual access to my life and and again this you know you have to be careful who you let into your your intimacy and who you who you let into these seasons of your life because not everybody's got your best interests at heart just because they call themselves a christian because you do have christians in name only so that's another topic to discuss but my point is is that um you have to let people into your life you've got to give them spiritual access because uh you don't need to try to navigate everything in your life alone you can't that's why god put us in a body of believers right there's things that i'm not good at as a follower of christ that kevin you're good at there's things that i don't know how to navigate that you know how to navigate and if i if i'm cutting myself off from allowing you spiritual access into my life then i don't get to receive from that it's first peter 4 10 as each one of you has received a spiritual gift even so minister it one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of god but i have to give you access to my life to be able to receive that spiritual gift that make sense? Mm-hmm. So something that came up, I was taught when Kenton was here, we were talking because you mentioned, you know, having people, certain things, obviously that you share with, I think, you sure. know, when you're at a pulpit and things, you know, we've talked, you know, you share maybe not details, but a general blanket statement. Right. I guess mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So, you know, not everybody needs to know your business, but we're right. talking about, how you know i have like well for reals i have two people you and kenton are like the two people that pretty much know almost everything about my life but it was interesting because from the perspective you're like oh well i should you know treat everybody equally in the church and blah 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 but then again so we were thinking about this and we just came up in a random topic and then i thought about it and i was like well jesus had his inner circle Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting is, is I just had this conversation with somebody in, in my living room after um, our, our group met on Tuesday night. And what I told this person was, there's a, there's a, in, in my mind, in my perspective, when you look at the way that Jesus led people, um, he had three, he had 12 and he had 70. And then there was the rest, right? The 120. Um, and when you look at the levels of access, the three, Peter, James, and John, had intimate access to Jesus. He'd put everybody else out of the room when he was getting ready to do some kind of miracle or something like that, and he'd bring Peter, James, and John. They were his inner circle, right? When you look at the 12, right, these were those that were kind of on the perimeter of the inner circle. You don't see them as much. They weren't on the Mount of Transfiguration, but they still had intimate access to Jesus, just the level was different than the three. And then when you look at the 70 uh, in Luke 10 that he sends out, they had the same authority. They walked in the same power as the apostles, but you don't hear anything else of the 70 other than that they were followers of Christ, right? So that this is, in my mind, for ministry, for life, for leadership, all that stuff, these are, these are uh, principles of scripture, the principle of the three, the principle of the 12, and the principle of the 70. There's people in my life that are part of the 70 that I, I'm, uh, I'm friends with, 
we communicate regularly, but I don't share necessarily the intimate aspects of my life with them. And then there's those that are part of the 12 that I spend more time with that they have another level of access to my life. And then there's my trusted advisors. And these are the people that know just about everything. And Kevin, you have you're, you, you are one of those people, right? That you have intimate access to my life. You know, you know, my faults, my flaws, my failures and all that stuff. Um, but, but not all of that information gets shared with everybody. So when I say it annoys me that people are like, Oh, well, you know, everything's great in my life when their life is not great. Um, there's a qualification with that. Um, I can, you said it, I can share things with you that I need prayer for without telling you the intimate details of it. Right. Um, I'm just saying as we navigate wilderness, our lives, whatever, as we navigate Christianity, um, part of what drives me crazy is the lack of honesty that goes underneath all of this. And we do ourselves harm when we, when we're not honest about the situations that we're in, whether it's a sinful thing or whether it's, you know, we're just in one of those wilderness seasons. We do ourselves harm by not being honest about it for whatever the motivations are, because there are people in the community of Christ around us that could shorten that wilderness experience that could help us take even if they don't shorten it help us gain the right perspective in it and it would be a tremendous benefit to us but we we limit our ability to tap into that when we have no honesty over the situations in our life whatever the motivations are right whether it's fear of man uh fear of rejection you know wh whatever it is we rob ourselves of those things so what are, I know how we're on time. We're doing okay. I want to talk about two more things. One is in a wilderness season, Ryan, when God highlighted and brought the dross, right. Or the things up that were, you know, deep within you that he wanted to repair or change in your character or have you, you know, walk away from or whatever. How did you do that? <laughs> well, I can, I can tell you how I tried to do it first. Okay. Right. I, I, I tried to fix it. So I saw the things that God was showing me, you know, pride, um, addictions, and so I'm like, okay, cause I'm a type a person, bro. I I'm a very, I'm, I'm a go-getter. Um, I'm a, let's get it done type dude. And if I know the direction that God wants me to go in, I'm going that way. It doesn't matter what's in my path. I'm going to run it over. And that's why God doesn't always show me everything. Is that why you bought knows, a truck? Huh? Is that why you bought a truck? So you could just run it over. I mean, no, not particularly. I bought a truck because I've always wanted a truck. Um, and, and because we needed, we needed a uh, room for our dog gunner. So, um, I say all that to say, I have been in these seasons where God is revealing things to me that are existing in my life that he wants to change. And so it's like, okay, anger. Well, I'm going to stop being angry. <laughs> And that doesn't work. 
It doesn't work when I take my own effort and my own ability and I try to stop doing something, right? Uh, when when God shows me, I mean, don't get me wrong, bro. Like, let's just let's just throw the p word out there. If it's porn, right? Which early on in my first marriage I had an issue with. Um, my I can't keep turning the computer on and going to the websites, right? Like. I can't sit there and say, God, deliver me from pornography as I'm going on to different websites to watch the stuff. You know what I mean? Like you have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And that's kind of where I'm going here. There's a difference between me trying to rid myself of the things that God is showing me and me trusting God to move those things out of my life through my repentance and my cooperation with the Holy Spirit and the word of God. Right. So if there's something that I'm exposing myself to, let's just take drug addiction, for example. Um, one of the reasons why I relapsed on drugs is because I'd get bored one day and then I'd get in my car and I'd just go driving around Fairfield. And then I'd see one of my old friends walking down the street. I'm like, hey, bro, you need a ride. And I'm playing Christian music in the car because I'm saved. Right. I got the Holy Spirit and all that. But really what I'm doing is I'm looking for an opportunity. Let's be honest. And they get in the car and, and, you know, they know me as the old drug addict. And so they whip their pipe out and they start smoking. You want to hit it? Nah, I'm good, man. I don't, I don't want to hit it. But then by the time that I took them to their destination, I was already high. Right? So like my point is, is that when God puts his finger on something in my life, I can't get in my car and then go drive right to the thing that God has put his finger on in my life and expect that I'm going to get free from that. Right? I have a part to play. I cooperate with the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm obedient to those things. And that's where I think freedom comes. Um, so, so what I've learned in these wilderness seasons is that when God reveals something to me, it's not that he's sitting there going, this is ugly. Now I want you to fix it. He's saying, I want you to give me permission to remove this from your life because he's not going to take anything out of me or from me that I still want in my life. Right? And then my job, when God sets me free from something, is called discipline. Right? Deliverance leads to discipline. Otherwise, it leads to demons again. Right? If I don't, if I don't instill discipline into my life after I've been delivered, then I'll ultimately go back to the demonic things or whatever it was that I was doing. Because discipline is, I've been set free. Don't be like the, the pig uh, having wash returning to its vomit. You know what I mean? That's my mm -hmm. job. My job is to have my mind renewed, get into the word of God, change my perspective on those things through the word. And I won't go back to those things. We actually just had a really in-depth, in-depth, <laughs> in-depth <laughs> conversation about this at our group on Tuesday night about why we go back to the sin that we're in and how we get free from these things and where we find uh, no victory and where I've found no victory is when I've tried to, to get the victory on my own. Did that answer your question? I took the long route. Yeah. Man. No, I think it did. Uh, yeah, I think that it's important for, for other people that are hearing just to understand how to navigate, you know, and maybe not be in the wilderness for 40 years. Um uh, you know, when we were talking about how they want to go back to bondage and, you know, I think it's uh, in Romans where it really breaks down the Old Testament or like the law. Right. And it says that the law was brought forth to, to bring awareness of sin, but it, the law was bondage and, and stuff like that. Um, 
So being able to find that place where you can just focus on your relationship with Christ and not focus on the problem is, is a massive thing, I think. And then number two, for me, a lesson that I, that I learned in it was to not like, even if I did mess up, you know, like it talks in Romans, I think it's in Romans and it says, you know, well, what happens if you sin, but grace be to God that we have, you know, I can't remember the scripture exactly, but <clears throat> you know, somebody who paid the price for us, you know, cause he talks about our sins. Are covered about Romans as, five where it says where sin did abound, grace did abound much more. Yeah. And then he basically, Paul's talking, I think he starts saying something that uh, he goes, well, what happens if you do sin? But, you know, and then he says like, that's yeah, Romans seven, Paul talking, and and there's you know a lot of debate on whether Paul was talking pre-saved or post-saved, where he says the sin that I do not wish to do that I do, right? Has then the law become evil to me? You know what I mean? He said no, the law was good, but at the end of the chapter he says I thank God through Jesus Christ because he says who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. Yeah. So it's like a, it's like a combination of Romans. Uh, Romans five and Romans seven. Yeah, I, I it take me too long. I won't try and find it, but um, yeah, I think just when when you know you end up falling down or sinning or something like that, that you just get up and put it behind you. You know, because it, you just draw, get the, I feel like the enemy does such a good job at like drawing you back into focusing on your problem, even when you do. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, that, and it comes back to what I was just saying about the discipline side, right? Like a lot of uh, this big movement of deliverance in the church. And I think it's great. I, I think that um, people do need to have de uh, demons cast out of them. But you want to know what the greatest need of the church right now is? Discipline, bro. Part of the reason why we go back to the things that we were previously involved with is because we lack discipline. We lack the disciplines of the scriptures. And so um, we beat ourselves up when we fall into sin. And, and, and that's another thing. Let me correct myself. We don't fall into sin. Um, it doesn't, it's not an accident, right? We willfully go into sin. The reason we willfully go back into sin is because we haven't allowed God to renew our mind about that area of our life. We haven't received discipline in that area of our life. So we go back to it. Why? Because we want to. I mean, that's the reality. Yeah. We want to go back to sin. Um, we might say that we don't, and there might be a part of us, our spirit, our spirit man doesn't want to go back to the sin, but our body and our flesh wants to go back to the sin, right? So how does that happen? Well, the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is alive, sharper than any two-edged sword, is able to pierce between what joint and marrow and flesh and spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart so the the word of god separates that which is of the flesh and that which is of the spirit and it's alive it divides it, it draws the line between the two and the reason why we go back to the flesh is because the word of god is not actively present in that area of our life. We have not adopted God's mindset and that's what real repentance is. Repentance is not just turning around and going the other way. It's having a change of heart. It's having a change of mind. Our mind is changed, 
right? Mm -hmm. And so this comes back to the discipline side. Real repentance means that I'm, I'm involving the word of God in my life. I'm involving discipline in my life so that I don't go back to those things, right? And the, the rest is just fluff. And it's part of the reason why we beat ourselves up so much is because deep down inside, when I go back to the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, it's because I have not really repented. I have not really uh, renewed my mind in that area. And it doesn't mean that we don't struggle with sin because we do, but there's a difference between struggling in sin and wallowing in sin, right? And just living in it. Well, I think willfully, so yeah, I think the word would appropriately be, you know, are you in willful sin well, or bro, is this? Let's, let's say that all sin is willful. All, all sin in our life requires our will. It requires a desire and it requires uh, um, our want to carry it out. So all sin is willful, right? But there's a difference between accepting it and battling it, right? Mm -hmm. I've just, you know, a person that accepts willful sin in their life and, and just uh, confesses but doesn't actually want the change of heart, they are accepting of their sin where God rejects and the person that's truly repentant, like genuinely repentant will go to God for forgiveness and then do everything in their power through the word of God and prayer to not go back to that sin. Doesn't mean they never do. It just means the motives and the intentions of their heart are, are otherwise. I think, I think that's like what you just said uh, is what I was trying to explain you know, or, or speak on, there is a place of freedom and maybe this is different for everybody. I don't know. But for me personally, where I started to see freedom was in, when I, ex this sounds, this, this could be like somebody could twist my words here. When I just was okay with where I was and just realized that Jesus was okay with where I was, and he loved me, then I was able to step into freedom, if that makes sense. Not that it was okay to be sinning, but just to know that, like, I was trapped, man. That's why I'm, like, so passionate about this and, and, and speak on this is because I was so trapped in trying to change myself that when I just was just like, okay, look, I'm struggling with this thing. I'm okay with where I'm at. I know it's not okay, but I'm okay with b being me. Like if I fall, I'm not going to hate myself. Right. And, yeah. and there, so there was a freedom in that. And I don't, it's super hard for me to put into words and explain that. But yeah. when I just was like, okay, like Jesus called David, you know, when you, like you said, when he was 16 years old, God knew that he was still in process of being conformed to God or to Christ in the, for us. Right. So I had to just be like, okay, I'm okay with where I'm at instead of trying to be like, Oh, I'm not going to step into ministry until I'm completely, you know, perfect in my life. And so it trapped me and I never did what God was asking me to do. So, and, and if I take that out to the next step, then I was really in sin because I wasn't being obedient to what God had asked me to do when he asked me to do it. Right. Right. I don't know if that makes sense. It's super hard to put it into words and, you know, because there's such like a fine line there. Well, maybe we need to do a, a, 
a whole series on dealing with sin um, because it, I, I think that it's probably one of the most under talked about topics in the Western church. Um, I, I can't remember the last time I heard a good sin message uh, from the pulpit, you know, calling out stuff in our life. And, and I need that, bro. Let's, let's be real. I'm not saying that's for someone else. I'm saying that's, that's for me. I need a good, deep, convicting word from the Holy spirit that, that pulls me out of the, the stuff that I'm in. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I'll be the first one to run to the altar and repent. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe we need to do a, a series on that. Hey, why don't you guys send us an email? Truth zero uncut at gmail.com truth zero uncut. I'm going to put it in the comment section. Truth zero at oops, truth zero uncut at gmail.com. Send us, send us your thoughts. Send us some show ideas. We're always looking for stuff to, to talk about. Um, we're going to wrap it up. We've been rocking for an hour and 26 minutes. Thank you guys all for rocking with us this long. Um, yeah. And stay tuned for the podcast, the Truth Uncut podcast. Uh, we will, these episodes that we're doing as a live broadcast will also make their appearance in some format on the, the Truth Uncut podcast, but there will also be other shows, other episodes on there that are shorter in nature. So once we go live with that podcast, I'll make sure that we put out a, a Facebook post. I'll tag each one of you in it um, and go and, and follow us over there. But I think, Kevin, if you're good, maybe we'll wrap this up for the evening. Yeah, I want to read one thing because I think it's important to sure. summarize kind of like what we were talking about. But I want to talk about some of the lessons. So this is just I spent like five minutes. Uh, and I, honestly, I thought I was going to write like three or four things down in the five minutes that I just wanted to talk about some of the lessons that I've learned in this season. Right. And so anyways, this is five minutes of me. Uh, being blown away because I don't even think I actually felt bad because I've probably should have put more time. I probably could have came up with more things, but I just want to read through these really quick. So lessons that I've learned in this season, one trusting in the Lord, right? You talked about trust and faith, right? You learn that number two, the scripture. So, and I, I want to take this back to when we were, I was reading the scripture in Exodus because he goes, I'm going to test you to see if you'll follow my commandments. And I think sometimes in the church, you know, at least for me, you know, I thought about commandments. I'm thinking of all the rules, the 613 laws, the 10 commandments, but in reality, the entire Bible is his commandments, right? Would you agree with that? Oh, right. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. So because he's instructing us or he's commanding us. Right. So what, so trust in the Lord. Number two, my thoughts, I'm not going to count because I have no idea how far I'm going to get. So my thoughts are greater than yours. That's something that he taught me. Number three, timing of God, knowing that his timing is different than mine, leaning to hear his voice through his word when he is silent, that his, my word is a lamp to my feet. Like I had talked about next one, waiting well and being patient and waiting waiting upon the Lord, right? The fruit of the spirit, long suffering, hope deferred makes the heart sick, learning to be content in all things I can do through Philippians 13 and 14, right? Or chapter four. So being content community. When I think of Aaron and Moses, when Joshua went out to fight, 
right? Moses' hands got tired. Aaron and her stood on the sides. They held his hand up. So community. The second aspect of community was that community provides, right? In the book of Acts, everybody laid things at the apostles' feet, and not one person was in need. Comfort only in him, not satisfying from my flesh, right? We run back to our discomfort, the things that give us comfort, even though it's temporary, right? The only comfort you're going to find is in Christ. That's that's satisfying. Matthew chapter 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God, not worrying about yesterday or tomorrow, just for today's enough of worrying. Remembering, remembering the things that he's done, his character and all those things. So when you're in these seasons to remember who he is and what he's done, the promised land is coming. Remember his promises. I've I've had to remember his promises. Fear doesn't have to paralyze you, right? It can promote you and propel you forward. Allow your fear to move you. Slow to speak. I don't like admitting that one, but that's something that I was prideful. I didn't want to do, but I've had to learn how to be cautious of what I speak and slow to speak. God doesn't expect perfection. You can speed your season up by changing, meaning change, allowing God to change you. Let the pressure and the, the, the crushing change you. How he provides you for you will look different than in the past or the way that you may think. Don't look at the situation, but look at God. Don't look at your problems and your feelings can't control your action. Don't let your feelings control you. You know, it's really cool. We didn't even talk about any of that stuff ahead of time. And we covered every single one of those points. That's cool. Yeah. So that was literally like 20 things. And I didn't even, I could probably write another list. I think it's important when God says to write things down, you know, like he told them to write it on the scroll, to put, uh, the stones up in the river to celebrate Passover, all those other things, start writing a journal. I've heard uh, somebody tell me that a few times. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for tuning in. That's all we have for this week's show. We're praying for each one of you. Remember, if you get some time, download the show and leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you want to stay up to date on everything that's happening with Truth Uncut, go and follow us on social media, Facebook at Truth Uncut. And you can stay up to date with everything that's happening. We got some exciting new things about to drop on the channel. Please come and check it out. We love you guys, and remember this one thing. The truth can't change your heart if your ears have shut the door. We'll see you next week.